sellers are going to be a little more negotiable now out of fear because they're worried they're not going to have another buyer come along. So if you are someone who has the cash reserves in place, it might be a good time to get some good deals. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities in order to qualify the sponsor in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, today's host. And today we'll be speaking with Avery Carl. Avery, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking and thanks for joining us again. So she's a previous guest. However, this episode will probably air before her first episode airs. So her episode will be airing on the 20th where she gives her best real estate investing advice ever. This episode is going to focus on the coronavirus. So we're going to talk about how her business is impacted by the coronavirus and some tips she has for people who are in her industry, which is short-term rentals. So a little bit about Avery. He's the CEO of the short-term shop brokered by EXP Realty. She's a top 1% real estate agent and short-term rental expert. Bought her first rental property at 26 and has scaled to 28 doors since then. Has connected investors with over $125 million in the cash-flowing short-term rental investments. Based in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, you can say hi to her at theshorttermshop.com. So Avery, before we get into talking about how the coronavirus is impacting the short-term rental industry, do you mind giving us a little bit more information about your background and then what you're doing today? Absolutely. So I am first and foremost a real estate investor. I have 28 doors, six of which are short-term rentals. My strategy for scaling was to buy the short-term rentals first because they have a lot heavier cash flow, take all that cash flow and then put it into traditional long-term, mine are actually low-income long-term rentals. So that's my strategy and kind of the path that I lead my clients down because it got me out of my corporate gig and has gotten me into financial freedom. We focus mostly on true vacation rental markets. So we're not teaching people how to Airbnb, your next door neighbor's house that you bought. That's not the strategy at all. We only invest in proven with decades of history, vacation rental markets. So they're very safe markets in terms of regulations. And also the city's figured out how to monetize the short-term rental game decades ago, well before there was Airbnb, some of them before there was even the internet. So that's kind of our strategy on short-term rentals and what we do. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. I actually had a debate with someone, it happened a year ago now, who was a short-term rentals, but she did the opposite of what you did. So I don't think she focused on the vacation. She focused more on as you said, renting out your neighbor's house or renting out a room in your house. Those are definitely two different types of short-term strategies. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you have some low-income long-term rentals. So obviously the majority of the episode is going to focus on the short-term rentals. I'm just curious, is the coronavirus impacting those long-term rentals at all or is it just the short-term rentals that you're seeing problems with? Well, as of today, the day that we're recording, it is rent day. <laughs> so yet to be determined. 
We've had probably, I would say a third of our long-term rentals have already paid in full and paid early. So I expect there to be a few tenants that are having some problems that we might have to work some things out with. But the short terms actually in the markets that we're in, they're very drivable regional vacation markets and not big metro areas. So while we did have an initial wave of cancellations when the coronavirus thing started getting kind of serious. I'd say we're running at about 30% of what we would during a normal March, but we have had a few bookings come in of people that maybe they live in a small apartment in Nashville and they would rather come social distance out in the mountains or at the beach. So the benefit here is while yes, short-term rentals in the travel industry are being hit extremely hard right now, we are able to cover our expenses. Whereas with our long terms, they're either going to pay or they're not going to pay. The expenses will be covered and we'll make money or we won't at all. Whereas the short terms, we're getting a little here and there to where we can cover our expenses. Maybe we're not making any money right this second, but the bills are paid. So are you marketing those short-term rentals differently now? I hadn't even thought about that. People are kind of forced to stay home. They live in a really small apartment. Why not rent out a bigger house to be quarantined in? Yeah, so we have changed up our listings a little bit to make it more accommodating to that kind of renter. So we've removed our minimum and maximum night stays. So if somebody wants to come stay for three weeks, come on. Whereas most of the time we don't let them stay more than seven days. We've put a list of all of the grocery stores and restaurants and things that deliver to our locations just right at the top of the page. So people can see, oh, okay, yes, I can come here and work from home and I can get food and I can be away from people, but I can also get my basic needs met as well. Another thing that a lot of my clients are doing, I haven't done it yet because it's just not worth it to me with my cleaning person, is making themselves temporarily pet friendly so that people feel comfortable. A lot of people have pets, so when they want to social distance, they're going to be gone for a long time. A lot of the boarding places aren't open right now, so we've just done some things to make things more appealing to people who might want to social distance outside the house that they live in. What about the actual race? Are you seeing that the rates are lower than usual? Are you keeping the rates the same? We have dropped them some. You want to be careful with the rate dropping because once you drop too low, you do attract the terrible guests, the partiers, and the people who aren't going to take care of the place. The more they pay, the better care of the place they're going to take. So we've had to kind of strike a balance between that, which is our normal philosophy, and then making it a little more appealing to people in an economic downturn time. And then you mentioned that for the short-term rentals, even operating at 30% of what you usually operate at, you're still able to cover the expenses. So is that just because of how much higher the rents are there? Yeah, it's just our investment model as a whole, which we get into on the other episode that's airing later. But it's really just because every little bit helps with short-terms because long-terms, the rent is the rent. That's what it is. And they're either paying it or not. But With the short terms, even if people in a time like this, somebody's running this weekend for two nights and then somebody's running the next weekend for two nights, just having just a few bookings here and there can definitely get you through if you invest right. So you mentioned that your short-term rentals are not in major cities. Are they in Tennessee? Five of mine are in the Smoky Mountain region of Tennessee. So that's the Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area right by the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. My other one is in Destin, Florida, which is also a regional drivable vacation rental market. I have some data that'll be up on my website later this week, maybe by the time this airs, detailing how much harder the big metro areas are being hit than the regional drivable vacation rental markets. So the difference between those two types of markets and then also the big 
fly to vacation rental markets. So Orlando and Hawaii, places like obviously where you have to fly. And it kind of shows how each of them are faring at the moment. But so far, it seems to be regional vacation markets. The drive-to markets are getting through this the best. Now, nobody's making the best money they've ever made during this time, but we're making it through better than other types of markets. That's what I'm going to ask you next. So it sounds like you've got some blog posts prepared <laughs> for talking about. So you said there's basically like the metro areas, then there's the ones you to fly to, then one to the drive-to. So we've already talked about the drive-to ones. I know it doesn't sound like you specialize in the fly-to or the metros, but... How do you think those are faring? And then if if any tips whatsoever for people who are in there, what they can do to not be operating at 0%. (laughs) So I actually do work in one metro market in Nashville. I do have a lot of clients who have Airbnbs in Nashville. Historically, the regulations in Nashville are pretty volatile, but Nashville, it's an outlier in this situation because right before coronavirus got really serious, Nashville got hit really bad with some really devastating tornadoes. A ton of people lost their homes. So a lot of them have scooted over into Airbnbs. So most of my clients who have them in Nashville are staying afloat with those. They're staying at 100% occupancy because people have needed a place to live since before coronavirus. So they're doing okay. But your Chicago's and New York's, New York's kind of ground zero for all of this. So really... All you can do is adjust your prices and keep adjusting those listings. And I would try to target if you're in a big metro area, obviously the metro areas have more cases of coronavirus than smaller towns. Try to target incoming healthcare workers. There are quite a few websites where you can target traveling nurses and doctors and things like that. So I would not only update your short-term rental platform listings to target these people, but there are other platforms as well where you can do that. So I definitely try to target the healthcare crowd. Taking a step back a little bit and from a more planning perspective, obviously people are real estate investors in general, your plans have probably shrunk a little bit to more month to month, but what are some things that have changed for your 2020 goals from just a few months ago and what you plan on happening this year and kind of how that's adjusting and what your new goals are for this year? Obviously every year, my goal is to two, three, 10 X, whatever business I did last year. Obviously that's not going to happen this year because we're going to lose an entire quarter. But now is a really good time for investors to kind of take a step back and evaluate their cash reserve system that they have in place. We have ours set up to where we'll be fine almost indefinitely. As long as this thing can last, I do think there is an expiration date on that. So now's a good time to reevaluate that. I think now our goal might be a third of what it was in January as far as scaling the portfolio, but we'll get there. It is about to be an interesting time that might present us as investors some opportunities to get some good deals. Do I think that purchase prices are going to take a nosedive like they did in 2008? No, but I do think that if you're a seasoned investor and you have the cash reserves in place now, now is a good time to get into things just because sellers are scared, just like some buyers have been scared and decided not to buy things. Sellers are going to be a little more negotiable now out of fear because they're worried they're not going to have another buyer come along. So if you are someone who has the cash reserves in place, it might be a good time to get some good deals. Do you mind walking us through your cash reserve process? An upfront amount that you save, is it an ongoing amount that you save? Is there a certain number of months, expenses you want to have covered? Do you mind just kind of walking us through your process? Yeah. So I suggest to everyone to try to have three to six months in reserves, not only for floating your business, but also yourself personally and your family. I know a lot of times investors can get caught up with scaling really quickly 
and kind of put that on the back burner. But it's good to make sure you're at least contributing to that cash reserves fund monthly, whatever you can. I know nobody wants to buy a property and then take six months to save up reserves before they can buy something else. But my advice is to just contribute as much as you can a month towards it. And sometimes you just have to make the decision of if you don't have a great month, am I contributing to my cash reserve fund or am I going and buying another deal? It really just depends on what deals are out there at the moment. With real estate investing, there's really no black and white way to do it as far as the savings are concerned, because sometimes there will be no deals to buy for months on end. And then sometimes there'll be a really great one and you might not have have thrown into your savings account that month, but you need to jump on it. So just do the best you can to make sure you're always contributing something monthly to it. That's the way I do it. It's no true method there. (laughs) Just throwing in the extra when we have it. Yeah, I think everyone who has the reserves philosophy are probably feeling a lot more comfortable right now. I'm mean, not totally comfortable, but a lot more than, than those that haven't been saving up those three, six months. I like how you said for the business, but also for yourself too, making sure that you can cover your own personal expenses as well, not just the business expenses, especially if you're doing real estate full time. So I have one last question before we wrap up. So this is more forecasting, future thinking, but how do you think that this whole coronavirus situation is going to impact short-term rentals a year from now, five years from now? Do you think it's going to change or think it'll be business as usual once you kind of get past this pandemic phase? Well, making the disclaimer that I'm certainly not an economist or an epidemiologist, I think that once this is over, once we do come out on the other side of it, there's going to be some really interesting and good data for future investors of, okay, this is 100% a worst case scenario and this is what it looked like. So (laughs) I'll at least have that worst case scenario documentable form. But I do think that, say, for example, if things are back semi to normal by July, I think that on the rental side of it, we're going to see some of our highest prices per night that we've seen in a long time, just because people are going to be so sick of being cooped up and they're going to be glad to be able to get out of the house and they're going to want to run, go on vacation. So I think it's going to take a quick upturn as soon as things kind of get back to normal and people have been back to work for a little while and have their feet back under them. I don't know why I didn't think about that. That's a very good point. If people are going to be cooped up for so long that there's going to be an explosion. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of interesting data a year from now. (laughs) It's not like a personal side reacted to not being able to leave their house for three months. I'm really curious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So is there anything else, Avery, that we haven't talked about already as it relates to the coronavirus and short-term rentals or long-term rentals or any place where to direct people, really anything you want to say before we close out the show? Nothing in particular, but if anybody would like to talk further about it, you can find me on my website, theshorttermshop.com. My email address is right on there, info at theshorttermshop.com. And I'm happy to chat, tell you what I'm going through and talk to you about what you've got going on. All right. Yeah. Thank you for that. And then you mentioned there's also going to be a blog post on your website talking about in more detail, the short-term rental market being affected by coronavirus and how it is different from Metro to flyby to drive. So make sure you guys check that out as well. Well, Avery, I appreciate you coming on the show to talk about what you're going through right now. Just to summarize our conversation, you said that out of your 28 door portfolio, six are the short-term rentals. You mentioned that the long-term rentals are up in the air today. We're recording this. It's rent collection day. We've got a third of paid rent already. So we'll kind of see what happens there. But we focus mostly on the short-term rentals. And you said that initially there was a wave of cancellation, but you're running at about 30% of what you would normally would. You gave some kind of tips, strategies, tactics, things you're doing 
to make sure you're able to bring in some income from these properties. You talked about how your marketing, your listings are getting people that are coming to your homes that are people who live in smaller apartments and want to be quarantined in a larger, nicer house. Tactically, you said you removed the minimum and maximum night stays. You've put a list of all the grocery stores and delivery locations to that location at the top of the page on Airbnb. You said some of your clients are doing the temporary pent friendly. And then you said that you dropped rates a little bit, but there's a fine line. You don't want to drop them too much because just like long-term rentals or anything, the lower the price gets, you're going to attract maybe not the highest quality tenants that you want. So the more that people pay, the better they take care of the property. Again, I already mentioned this, but you talked about how the markets you can drive to are varying a little bit better than the fly tour metro markets. And you did say the exception of Nashville because Nashville was hit by a bunch of tornadoes beforehand. So a lot of people are kind of forced to live in short-term rentals. So a lot of your clients who own properties there are actually at 100% occupancy. We talked about how your goals have evolved recently and the fact that you're going to be okay, basically indefinitely because of your reserve system. So you recommend that everyone has three to six months reserves for both the business and for their families. And just something you should do on a monthly basis. You talk about how people might not want to do that, but obviously everyone who did do that is looking like a genius right now. And then lastly, you talked about how you think there's gonna be a lot of good data that comes once the coronavirus is over on short-term rentals and real estate in general. And that if things return to normal, within the next few months, we might actually see a, a large uptick in the, the prices for vacation rentals because people have been cooped up inside for so long. There's going to be an explosion of people wanting to go back on vacation. So again, thanks for sharing that. Best of listeners, thanks for listening. Everyone stay safe, have a best ever day, and we will talk to you tomorrow. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. What if you could earn 10000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Corino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine Visit ralacademy.com to learn more.